0: Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join the Messiah Lutheran Church Bible study class led by Pastor Jim Otte. For this episode and the next few episodes, we are doing something a little bit different. Instead of jumping right into a new series we are unearthing early recordings of the podcast to bring to you these were recorded during a whole different series and we can't start with part one because we didn't think to record it at the time so if you're new to the podcast or returning and thinking why are we on part four when this is a whole different series don't worry you didn't miss an episode or anything we are just jumping around a little bit and offering a sneak peek from past classes so without delaying any further here is a part of a series titled, Living the Life of Jesus's Beloved. Enjoy.
1: All right, so let's, uh, let's get into our study for today. We're, uh, we're finishing up with chapter two and going to be moving into chapter three of uh, Philippians. And just a little review from, uh, from last week, kind of the four things. So the first one is that God loves to do what? He loves to love you. All right. I mean, that's his whole thing. He doesn't sleep, but if he did, he would wake up in the morning and he would say, oh, this is an awesome day because it's another day in which I can love you. Pretty cool. Number two, gratitude, which grows out of your dependence on God, feeds humility, compassion for others and the courage to stand firm in your faith. Number three, to be humble is to be teachable. And number four, a selfish attitude corrupts humility. Um, how many of you uh, regularly engage in practices or situations that would increase your humility? <laughs> <laughs> like on purpose, or is it like somebody else does something? <laughs> Both and. Both and. Okay, that's great. We're going to have you give some lessons later on uh on how to do that. Uh, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite authors and storytellers is Garrison Keillor. Have you ever heard of Garrison Keillor? He kind of did the Minnesota public radio stuff, the uh, Prairie Home Companion. And so he, he said one time in one of his stories that if you want to have an exercise in humility, one of the best ways to do that is go to a country where they don't speak English and they don't care to. <laughs> okay. And if, that, if your language is English and theirs isn't, and they don't even want to, that is a great way to learn that you're not all that in a bag of chips, let me tell you, okay? Yeah, all right, so I, w- I always liked that one. I thought that was pretty good. All right, so let's get into verses 14 to, uh, to 18. So uh, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Okay, so he starts out with the phrase, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Okay, so what's included in all? Everything. So, like, name me one thing that would be included in all. Uh, it could kind of be more specific. Like, what is one thing you do that is included in all? Go to work. <laughs> Go to work. That's a good one. What else? Clean the house. Clean, oh, someone said clean the house. That's in all, too, isn't it? Uh, what else? Take
2: care of the body, Christy.
1: Take care of the body that God gave you. Good. Okay. That was sort of means exercise. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. I
2: take care of people.
1: You take care of people. So see, it truly, it really is. I mean, there's no, there's no exception to the word all. This should be no surprise to us. But what he says is then whatever it is that you include in all do it. How? Without grumbling, oh, without grumbling or arguing. disputing or arguing, <laughs> that kind of thing. So the little note here is, is that grumbling and being argumentative in serving reveals the presence of resentment. So we want to talk a little bit about resentment. Now, the other thing that we want to realize here is that, and the Greek bears this out, it's continuous grumbling, continuous argumentativeness. So you do have a little bit of leeway here to take a one shot deal. All right. You can like have a little complain moment, right? You can have a little grumble moment. You can do that. But the caution here is that it doesn't turn into a lifestyle for you. You know, in other words, you see, there's a difference between doing something and becoming that. Does that make sense? And you think, well, how would a person become a complaining person? How would a person become a resentful person? in terms of the difference between that and just maybe like doing it occasionally, what would be the difference? How do you become a resentful person? How do you become a, a, a non gracious, gracious person by practicing it? That's how you do it. See, people say all the time, I don't know why I'm that way. Why, why am I that way? Well, it's because you keep doing it. I mean, that's why, right? And there's something to be said for that. I mean, we get in the habit of it, of course, But, you know, some of the brain research they're doing now in terms of neural pathways and things like that has to do with the idea that the more you do it, the more your brain says, oh, that's who we are. And so it's kind of the difference between people who get angry and people who are angry people. See, it's the difference. So let's talk a little bit about resentment. And we start with the first uh, principle there, the beloved life principle 12. Resentment pulls you out of an orbit of gratitude and into a black hole of I deserve Better, I deserve better because the focus in resentment is not so much on good or bad. It's on what I deserve. OK, so rem- resentment draws the joy out of serving and giving because the focus is on how much more I deserve than other people. Your focus shifts to the indignance that you feel that God would dare bless others who don't deserve it as much as you who does deserve it. Remember that great uh, parable that Jesus told about the workers in the vineyard. Remember that there's guys sitting around, they're not doing anything. And so then, then the guy the guy that owns the vineyard, he goes early in the morning and he makes a deal with the guys. And he says, come and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you a day's wage. And then they go and work in the vineyard. And then halfway through the day, he goes back and he finds some other guys. And then at the, the 11th hour, sort of like, At four o'clock in the afternoon, he finds a third group of guys that aren't doing anything. He says, go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you a day's wage. So then at the end, at five o'clock, they all come and they're waiting for their, you know, for their payment. And he starts with the guys that work the least and he gives them a day's wage like he had agreed to. And then he goes backwards toward the guys that worked all day. And of course, what are they thinking when they're seeing the day's wage to the guys that work for 30 minutes? What are they thinking? We worked that much harder and that much longer. We deserve to get more. And so then when it's their turn to get paid, what does the guy, what's the owner do? Gives them the day's wage. He gives them the same amount and they start to do what? They start to grumble, murmur and dispute. And so in the parable, then what Jesus says to, has the owner of the vineyard say, am, am I not the owner of the vineyard? That's number one. But number two, are you jealous of my generosity? Resentment takes us into jealousy over the generosity, not only of God, but of other people. And what we end up doing is somehow looking at our contribution and saying, because I was there longer and, you know, because I put up with more stress and because, because, because compared to those guys, then I should get more. I should deserve better. One of the authors that uh, I really, really, really love reading is a guy by the name of Henry now, and some of you might be familiar with him. He's a, hes deceased now. He was a, for years he was a, a Catholic priest, and then he went to work a, in a, uh, a a community for uh, disabled people. And he talks about this in his books that that um, that was a real turning point uh, in his life because one of the things he learned is that it working in this uh, community with disabled people is that they didn't care how many degrees from Harvard and Yale that he had. <laughs> uh, and that's, isn't that, that's kind of interesting because when you think about it, a lot of us will, will uh, or many of us who care about that kind of thing, and I do, how many letters are past your name, you know, and how many, how many uh, uh, credentials you have and all those kinds of things, that it's real easy to sort of get caught up in that and think that that somehow counts for something. Well, maybe it counts for something in certain settings, but if you go and you work with and you live with a community where they don't care about that kind of stuff, then that's a very humbling moment, okay? Well, anyway, he had some interesting things to say about, uh, about resentment. He says, resentment is a cold, agonizing anger. The deep feeling that life has let us down, that we suffer unjustly and that nothing will be done about our complaints. Resentment is one of the most vicious qualities of life because it makes human relationships and community life so difficult. It prevents us from seeking forgiveness and robs us of our joy. Resentful people always crave more attention to fuel their negative emotions and therefore force others into a defensive stance. That's how insidious resentment is. And because of the fact that we're sinful, we're sinful human beings, all that all that kind of thing in terms of our nature, you can see where resentment would be something that we would probably have to battle even in our Christian walk, even in our daily faith walk. Especially if it does appear to us that our life is tougher than somebody else's. And I say that from an appearance perspective, because sometimes we don't know, right? We, We assume so. We look at somebody else's life and we look at my life and we go, oh, how come they have it that way and I don't? So resentment is an enemy, I would say, of a community life together. Yeah. I heard the
2: story of a gentleman, a senior gentleman, I was helping with his insurance uh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. He was about to board a plane. Had his boarding pass ready and the gentleman behind him, and this, oh and this senior gentleman, by the way, has a beard, he's, he's Muslim. Yeah. I mean, he looks looks Muslim. Uh huh. So the gentleman behind him said, um, you know, I know they're gonna give you a problem. So if you would, I'm really in a big hurry, could you let me go ahead of you? He said. No, uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. So he got up to board the plane, looked at his boarding pass, let him go. Yeah. And so the guy behind him got up to get on the plane, then they told him up. They said, please aside. He was so resentful and argumentative. He said, "You let him go instead of me."
1: Really? Wow. He said that guy used
2: to be my boss.
1: He used to be your boss. He used,
2: yeah, the, the guy that not let go, the Muslim. Yeah. Used to be the TSA agent's
1: boss. Oh, he was the TSA agent's <laughs> boss. Wow. He had a
2: designation on his
1: boarding pass say he worked for TSA. Oh. How do you get those? I'd like to get one of those. I'd be- Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm really happy when I get that pre, what is that? When you go Southwest, that pre, pre pre-check. Oh, I love that. I love that. But I have to admit, I do have to admit this, that when I'm in the line of the pre-check and then I'm looking over there and seeing the line of the not pre-check. And then I'm, what I'm doing is I'm counting the number of people in the pre-check and I'm thinking, why are there so many people in the pre-check it would have been better to be in the non-precheck, but I'm grateful for being in the precheck. So, you know, these are the things, these are every day. I should probably turn that off while I'm doing this, but it, you know, I, I think my point is, is that the potential to be resentful is like all the time. I mean, it's not like huge things. It's like little things. And it seems like that it starts always with some comparison that's going on. In other words, that there's some benefit to me that's not to you, or there's a benefit to you that's not to me. And then all of a sudden we all become 13, right? And we, it's, it kicks in. It kicks in. It You don't have to work at it. And if anything, where the work comes in really, I think, is is is, is combating that with gratitude, that that this is where the antidote is for this, but this is quite natural for most of us in terms of, of resentment. Uh, Richard, you had a hand up. I was
2: going to say, I like to look at the ninth and 10 commandments as not being thou shalt not covet, yeah. but as thou shalt not compare.
1: So you're saying that the ninth and 10 commandments, we could actually take the word covet and change the Bible, and then we would use the words, yeah, compare. Yeah. well, no, I do it all the time, so I don't have, I just want to be clear about that, but actually, when you look at the meaning of the commandments in the catechism, all right, it, it doesn't specify compare, but obviously, that's the only way you're going to do it, right, because you don't have your eyes on God, and his generosity to you, what you do is you have got your eyes on God and his generosity to those schmucks over there who didn't deserve it and they haven't worked for it. And you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's where we go with it, right? And it, it doesn't take much at all. Then for all of a sudden now I'm, 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 I'm hanging out in the land of resentment. And so one of the things that we know about resentment is that it does create an energy, in the same way that gratitude creates an energy. Have you noticed that? It's not depressing to be over here, but it's a trap. Because when you get, it's, it's like this, when you start comparing yourself to somebody else, and how come they're getting in stuff and I'm not? I mean, there is a, there's a riled upness there, isn't there? There's a, there's an energy there, right? Which can feel very positive, but in fact... It's negative because it is an energy that promotes death. Now, maybe not an energy that promotes physical death, but I assure you it kills relationships. And it's a death by a thousand cuts. do so we see yeah. that mostly or we see a lot of it in politics? Do we see a lot of it in politics? Let, let me go turn this off real quick while we. <laughs> well, it. Let, let's move it from politics to just power. Because for a lot of people there, you know, that's how you get your powers by being politically active. But it could be in other ways, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, in fact, the reason why I think that half the time we don't recognize it is because we're so good at it. It's just natural to do. And in some sense. This is unnatural because it requires me to take my eyes off of my brother or my sister and put it back on God where it belongs and recognize that anything I have is I don't deserve. I mean, how normal is it to say that, right? And yet that's exactly what Paul is suggesting here. Okay. So he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now he says that for two purposes, The first purpose is that it is a benefit to your life and your spiritual walk. Because if my focus in life is on how come the other guys getting the better deal than me, then that's going to take away from the joy that I have with Jesus and the walk that I have with him. Because I'll be walking with Jesus, but I won't be focusing on Jesus. I'll be walking with Jesus, focusing on somebody else. How come they're getting what I'm not getting? So there is that element of it. But notice what he also does. He also pulls in the witnessing aspect of this. And so he ties our attitudes and our conduct with each other in life. He ties that to the impact that that has on the world around us. What does he say about the world around us? What are the phrases he uses? What, it's in verse uh, 15. He says, in the midst of a what? Crooked and perverse generation. Now, this was written in Paul's day. Some people would argue that this was written just the other day, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the world that we live in. And so there is sometimes, I think, when the world is that way, there is sometimes this sort of feeling that Christians have that, oh, I can't do anything about it, and so why even bother, and I'm just going to do my thing and have my life. That's not, the, that's not the perspective Paul takes. The perspective Paul takes is, is that when you're doing this life without grumbling continuously and disputing continuously and that sort of thing, what effect will that have, not just on you and your walk with Jesus, but on the world around you? What does he say? That you will be above what? Reproach. Now, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to be above reproach? Anybody know? All right, let's use the word, a different word. What does it mean to have integrity? That's a word we know. All right, what does that mean? What does that mean? Be truthful
2: and honest.
1: Yes, but it also means that there is a connection between what you practice and what you preach. Okay, that there's a, it's not perfection because nobody is, but there is a consistency that if you're going to preach that pre- uh, preach that sermon, if you're going to if you're going to talk that talk, right, then what do you what do you be prepared to do? Walk the walk. That that's because the this crooked and perverse, perverse world this generation is doing what? They're watching us, and then they're taking notes. So they're watching us and they're taking notes. Well, what is it that they're taking notes of? Well, here's what they said. But I'm not seeing much in terms of what they do compared to everybody else around here who doesn't believe, uh, you know, anything about this.
2: Yeah. Normally, if you're sitting around grumbling and disputing, you're not doing anything. So really, the first part of that is he's telling you to go do something. Do these things that are constructive and positive instead of. And when you are, when you're grumbling and you're disputing, you're not doing anything. You're not doing the things you should be doing.
1: Yeah, but you can say, well, I tried. Yeah,
2: Yeah, you can say, you can say, you can say, yeah.
1: Don't you like it when people say that? When you, when you like call them on like doing stuff and then they go, well, I tried. And the beautiful thing about trying is that you can actually do nothing and it still qualifies as trying. (laughs) I know. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I save that only for rare occasions. But occasionally, I'll use that one too. I, I tried. All right. Do you get the point? See, see, maybe we don't change the world. I mean, we don't, because Jesus does. I mean, he does it better than we do. But maybe, maybe that that we're not doing this in order to affect some change in this crooked and perverse generation. But the the good news is is that when you're living the gospel in your life, that gospel has power more than you do. So the gospel goes out from you and it does its thing. And most of the time, the Bible reminds us that it does its thing invisibly. And that can be sometimes frustrating, right? Is that here you think, oh, I'm going to be this, you know, faithful person and share Jesus and Jesus is walking with me and I'm going to do all that stuff and I'm going to do it. And then when I do it, the more I do it, then my kids will change. My kids will be different. And then you look at them, and they're not any different, right? And you go, oh, must not be working. Well, the gospel does what it does, but it does it kind of under the surface, right? And it does it generationally, but it does it in ways that go way beyond that you and I can imagine, is what the Bible says. So the deal is to stay, to hang with it, to stay with it. And as you do it, you're trusting this. And the other thing that is happening is that you are growing gratitude in your life, and that's kind of where... That's the thing that we're kind of focusing in on here is that gratitude is, in fact, that thing that counters this. See it. It says this is where we are and it will combat this. So the energy that you get from gratitude truly is an energy that is helpful because it is a life energy. It is not a death energy. You cannot kill relationships by being too grateful. And I challenge you to try. That'd be good homework for us, you know, this week. Okay. I want you to be so grateful that you will kill a relationship. (laughs) Say anybody want to take me up on that? But all it's going to take if you want to kill a relationship is have a little eyedropper full of resentment. Nobody's going to want to be around you, but if you are grateful you're going to be shushing people away because you're not getting anything done, okay? To think of it that way. So what does he say? He says, okay, you're going to be above reproach in this crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as what? Lights in the world. Now that brings us, that kind of reminds us of one of Jesus's uh, famous sayings, you know, a a little parable, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill, what? Cannot be hidden boy you guys don't know that verse that's terrible all right well it'll be in the sermon on mount so when we're done with this study then we'll be uh and we're broadcasting worldwide when i ask you about a verse publicly you cannot go blank all right (laughs) so the pressure is going to be on you i'm going to love this this is going to be so great it'll be awesome okay all right and that'll be another reason to be here by the way Okay. Remember, we've been kind of planting the seed that when we go online to make, to be, to come, don't just say, oh, I can sit at home and listen to the podcast. Okay. I mean, you could, but if you do, we will all hassle you to death. So uh, that would be a good reason not to. Okay. So let's go to the top of the next page. So beloved life principle number 13, the antidote for resentment is practicing gratitude on a daily basis. You are what you practice. You are what you practice. And so if you want to become that, then do more of it. Yeah. You know,
2: there's, mm-hmm. you said practice. You can't kill a relationship. With gratitude. With gratitude. Right. But be careful of one word. <gasps> What? I've often been told that, oh, I appreciate so much you, and not my her. <laughs> that was a nice little disclaimer there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good move. Good move. Good move. Good move. I've, I've often been told that, for instance, uh, oh, I appreciate that you clean up the kitchen. Yeah. But-
1: yeah. Yeah. But oh, the but word. Yeah. Oh, the but word. Yeah. 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 negative the Well, and it just then negates everything you just said. Yeah. 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 You know, It's like saying to somebody, oh, you're a really nice person, but, okay. So what do you, so because some of us are just in the habit of butting people all the time, right? We just say it. All right. So inst- if you want to get rid of, but what do you, what do you put in his place? It sounds so weird. I know. And. 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 Now, that'll feel really weird because you're so used to saying but. Okay, so practice and. Can we all say that word together? Ready? And. See? That wasn't that hard. Okay? Yeah.
2: Well, and it seems like gratitude should not be contingent on something else.
1: Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) No, that, did you hear what he said? She said is that gratitude is not contingent on something else, meaning like a, a nice thing somebody did or something like that. Is that what you mean? Yeah, because then are you, real, are you truly grateful? It's like, okay, well, I'll be grateful or I'll have
2: gratitude
1: if you do this. Oh, yeah, no, the if. Then I'm
2: not. Yeah, so that's right. don't make it contingent on something
1: else. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, okay, so a way to do that is to think about going into gratitude even when something crummy happens. Okay. Or go into gratitude and maybe it when there wasn't anything attached to it because what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a, a muscle memory, a spiritual muscle memory. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say muscle memory, you know, okay. A spiritual muscle memory that will go there. And it's kind of that sort of idea of, okay, I'm just going to go there. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to do grateful. Now, probably a way to do that is to get in the habit of saying, thank you. That's one way to do it. Okay. Um, Appreciate people. See, and you're appreciating people without necessarily tying it to a, a activity that they did. That was a benefit to you. All right. When we get later into Philippians, though, Paul talks about this idea that one way to do this, too, is to present your request to God which would be kind of part of the all, right? But you're doing it with Thanksgiving. Now, when happy things happen, that is a joy to do. But when crummy things happen, that is a pain in the neck to do. Because it's sort of like if you say thank you for some, something that you appreciate, then you're kind of thinking, well, and it'll be really great if it happens again. But when crummy things happen, we don't want crummy things to keep happening. Right. How many of you grew up with a parent who said to you after Christmas that no matter what you got for Christmas, you have to write a thank you note to your aunt who sent you dark socks (laughs) or clip on ties. How many of you had that? Oh, good. We should start a support group for those of us (laughs) who grew up that way. And And so what would be the rationale for not doing that? Because I tried that excuse, so believe me, I tried them all. What, what, what would be the rationale for not writing a thank you note to your Aunt Martha who did that? Because you don't want it, and you didn't want her to think that you liked it, and then she would keep <laughs> doing it. That's why, right? Okay, all right. But that, is, that just, you know, Mom, Mom said, well, you have to do it anyway. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I say, thank you, Aunt Martha, without implying somehow that you really liked what she sent. And so, you know, that's that's, why, that's probably why I became a pastor, because I've learned to parse words a certain way. Yeah, yeah, it worked out really great. Okay, so let's look at some practical ways to reduce resentment. I don't know if we can eliminate it this side of heaven, but maybe we can just practice it less. So the first one would be is that when somebody hurts your feelings... And when I say hurt your feelings, what I'm talking about is that you experience a form of somebody else devaluing you, where you come out of that moment with them and you feel like that you're like less than, like they're they're more than and you're less than, okay? Anybody ever experienced that before? Okay, what would be one way? Just to give us an example, a concrete example of, of, of a way that that sometimes happens. Maybe
2: because you did something and
1: nobody noticed. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or like if you're talking and then people aren't listening. Okay, that's kind of or they say, "Oh, thank you very much," but okay, what uh, there might be that way. Okay, so when you when, part of the deal with resentment is that sometimes what happens is these things happen. And then we don't admit that they happened, so we have those deep hurt feelings, and then we just stuff them. We say, "Oh, that didn't bother me," and it did. So part of the deal with resentment is to actually admit that your feelings are hurt. Okay, you were devalued. See, because then you can deal with it as opposed to just stuffing it inside and then you pretend that it didn't happen. Okay. Second one is this one's kind of fun. Accept the wisdom that the speck in your brother's eye. Remember, we talked about that last week, the Matthew passage. Accept the wisdom that the speck in your brother's eye will help you learn the identity of the plank in your own eye. You ever thought about that? How many of you have planks in your own eye? Mm-hmm. Yes. And how many of you uh, notice the speck in your brother's eye way better than the plank in your own eye? Yeah. 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 <laughs> If you think about it from that perspective, why is it that the things that other people do bug us? Because bugs Do what? There's something inside of ourselves. That yeah. Bugs. Yeah. And so we don't like how that feels when it triggers something in us. So then we just flip it and focus on that other person and say, well, you, boy, you really need to fix that. It's kind of like you're dealing with your children child
2: that seems to have more of your personality traits seems to be the child
1: that freaks you the most. Oh, does that happen to other people too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What she said was, was that why it is with our kids is sometimes when we see stuff in our kids that reminds us of stuff we don't like about ourselves, right. Or that we have some history with it. We're trying to change. Then we go, Oh, and we'd sort of overreact. Right. Because we're trying to get the demon out of them. That's what we're trying to do. The demon that we put in them, right, when they were born of, uh, of us. And then here's a very practical way. Reduce your complaining to five minutes a day. Yeah. How many of you complain more than five minutes a day? Wow. What a day. How many of you feel like you have something to complain about for more than five minutes a day? Yeah. Five minutes will not cut it. Okay. So what would it take for you to move like let's say just pretend okay just pretend that you if you were to put a timer on the amount of time that you complained about stuff uh let's say that you added all up you add, did all the math and it was 30 minutes a day so and you say you know i really want to lower that and the people around you are going yes we would like for you to lower that okay All right. So you want to get it down to five, but you know, it's a curve here. So you're at 30 or 20 and you want to get to five. Okay. What would be some ways to do that? Because if you're in the habit of doing it, it's really hard to change that habit in one big bite. So, you know, I like the idea of incremental changes. So what would be a way, one way to do that? Yeah, Mark.
2: I have, I have a way to deal with that for myself.
1: Oh, good. Yes.
2: That I extend it to 15 minutes. I allow 15 minutes to really wallow in it.
1: And wallow extend, in it. Yes. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. Just yes.
2: Examine it. Yes. What's my part <laughs> in it and what, right. what? Why is it so important?
1: And yes. Then
2: I said that's enough, and then I go on.
1: That's it. So you're at 15 would you entertain the possibility of going to five?
2: <laughs>
1: you can. <laughs> so, okay. So what she's saying is, is that by moving from 15 to five, that really cuts the fun out of it for her. Yeah. Right. I mean, Because there is a kind of a, you know, it's kind of a little pity party. And so it's kind of fun to sort of wallow. I love your use of the word wallow. That was, you know, visual for me. But so there is something to that. Okay. Then
2: you can let it go.
1: Then you can let it go because, see, you got it out of your system, right? Now, are you doing this by yourself or in the presence of others? No, myself. Oh, perfect. Okay. So maybe the way to say it. We can compromise here. If you're with other people, limit it to five. And if you're by yourself, then you can do 15. Is that a good compromise? Yes, that would be a good compromise. Because the deal is you have to... You have to say no more. Now, how do you keep track of the time? Because, you know, when you're having fun, it's so hard to, you know, keep just, track you know,
2: of time. That's enough of that.
1: Oh, that's enough of that. Okay, good. It's a
2: kitchen timer.
1: Oh, kitchen timer. Or the cell phone, right? If you carry your cell phone with you, just set the little timer and you go, okay, this is my, this is my time, right? Okay. But just understand that if you're with other people... You're taking years off of their life by doing this in the presence of them. Okay, yeah, D- Doris. Yeah. Okay. So number one, admit that you feel evaluated, in your are
2: hurt or angry. Yes. To, do you just do that to yourself, or do you go to the
1: person? You mean like if you go to me?
2: <laughs> I'm coming to
1: you. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um. Yeah.
2: You admit it c- to yourself. Yeah. That
1: hurt yeah. It's okay to do that because see, sometimes we feel like it's not okay to do that. Right. So you admit it. So name it, claim it. I mean, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, but you'd be surprised. But sometimes what happens is we talk ourselves out of it. We say, oh, I'm making a big deal about nothing. Yeah. Oh, and and then what happens is we we stuff it. We don't acknowledge it. And then the more you stuff hurt, angry feelings, the more likely it is that you get a little touch of depression or something like that. Okay. So let it go. Yeah, let it go. But I like, I think I'm moving up from five to 15. I like your idea better. (laughs) Okay. All right. So anyway, that is, but but see, again, what we're getting at here is, is that you don't want to become that person. You can, there's, because there's a difference between doing it and becoming it. And the way that you move from this to that is by doing more and more and more and more of it, and then sort of getting uh, some satisfaction out of doing it. Because, you know, frankly, when we're little kids, you complain, complain, complain. And after a while, what will somebody do?
2: Pop a nod on your head.
1: <laughs> some will pop a knot on your head. Yeah. But others will give you what you want just to get you to be quiet. And see, that's not good. Right. That's not good. OK. Well, what are some practical ways to practice gratitude? All right. We've talked about this last week a little bit. Keep a good balance of self-care with caring for others. Sometimes it's easier to go into resentment because, frankly, you're whipped. You're just tired. And people I I know that some people are like in this situation where maybe you're caring for someone who's chronically ill or chronic has chronic mental illness or something chronic that's not going to go away. And you're the main one in their life. That fatigue, that uh, just the, the burden of that wears you out. And so that's when we can become more susceptible to resentment. Okay. Uh, second thing, remind yourself, I deserve nothing. Everything I have comes as a gift from God. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. It is. So if it's true, make it part of what you say to yourself. And sometimes we have to be reminded of that because resentment would say just the opposite of that. I deserve better. And yeah, it might be a, a gift from God, but how come he's given it not to me, but to other people? Okay. Uh, number three, I love this one, hang out with golden retrievers. <laughs> we'll be doing more of that when our comfort dog comes. But did you know this about golden retrievers? Is that that for whatever reason, that breed lowers your blood pressure. Schnauzers don't, but this one does. <laughs> we will not have any comfort dogs that are schnauzers, all right? Okay, schnauzers are great dogs. But but there's something about that. and And so the more that you can can be around that or be around golden retriever personality people. And this would be people that just kind of when you're around them, you just feel better. So that's a good thing too. Here's uh, we'll see this one in Philippians four, present Jesus with all your anxieties and other things that bug you so that he can wrap his arms around them. See, that's, that's the idea. Present your requests Present all those things to him. It's like you're giving Jesus a gift and he goes, Oh, thank you. I've been waiting for these for so long. And he just pulls them in. That's what that be is. Be anxious for nothing. Do what? That scripture
2: said be anxious for nothing.
1: Yeah, I know. We'll get to but that. Everything. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Because, practicing that is the key to that. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, you know, Pastor Coleman talked about this in the sermon day, daily practice, quieting time with God in prayer. And this kind of gets a little bit to a, a deeper form of prayer, more uh, contemplated prayer where you're, where you're not just, you know, going to God and you're saying, here's my laundry list of all the things that I'm unhappy with. You can do that in that 15 minutes that Mars <laughs> talked about. Okay. But this might be some other thing, where it's sort of of hanging out with God and just in his presence. Now, that takes a little practice because most of us are not kind of wired that way. Can you think of some other practical ways to uh, uh, practice gratitude? Glenn, you have one?
2: Well, I I think of Christ on the way to the cross.
1: Yeah. He took a man
2: whose ear had been chopped off to defend him. Yes. Mm And put it
1: back. Right.
2: He talked to the man on the on his left.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm up on the cross. You'll be with me today
2: in paradise, just because he realized the other thief was demeaning Christ. Yes. And just on and on. If if you thought about it, you can you can see that Christ on the way to the cross was still yeah practicing gratitude.
1: Oh, that's a that's a powerful image there. That here he's going to die. And he didn't deserve it. So it's like the ultimate, like, give of yourself. And then while he's doing it, he's grateful. Yikes, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Oh, David, oh, David, finally, yes. Yeah.
0: A delightful lady from my younger years uh, had a wonderful greeting response whenever you would see her. Yeah. Demonstrated her gratitude, and it actually had an effect on the, the folks that she greeted. So when you go to shake hands with her and say, "Hi, how you doing?" she, with all sincerity, would say, "Oh, I am so
1: blessed." Yeah. It was
2: just yeah. To
1: that. And you know, you can tell when somebody says that 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 it really is coming from in here. It isn't just like words you say. It's, you can tell. It's a vibe that, they, you, that you pick up. Thank you for that. That's a really good. That's it's. Yeah. Tom. Say thank you. Say thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's really not rocket science, is it? To, to do all these things. But some of it is we get in the habit of not doing it. And then we're kind of thoughtless or mindless. And so that the idea here is to make this more of an intentional part of your life. And particularly if you're not comfortable with it, stay with it. See, don't give up on it and say, oh, that's just not me. That's other people. That's not me. Don't, don't do that because, because this actually can change that. It changes you. And when it changes you, then it has a more profound effect on the people around you. Because there's a way to say thank you. You can say thank you sarcastically. And that's not what we're talking about here. All right, so let's go down to the bottom here, verse 19. We have like two minutes left. And since I don't have late service today, <laughs> I know I want to play in the sandbox. Are you aware of this, that when I'm doing this, this is like for me playing in the sandbox? Are you aware of that? So we're all in the sandbox together, and that's how it feels to me. And that's why I, lo- I like doing this so much. Um, and then when I have to leave here and go to work, you know how that is, yeah. So are you lowering what I'm wallowing in the sandbox. I love that idea. Yes. All right. So, uh, okay. So we'll finish with this and then we'll be done for today. He says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare for they all seek after their own interests not those of Christ Jesus. One of the things I think that happens when when we sort of give in, and I'm going to say it that way, we give in to the temptation of resentment is that it, it's a very focused place to be in terms of self-interest. There's very little room for the interests of others. And that's one of the things that happens is that the, the needs that other people have become a threat to my own happiness and my own security. But when I'm practicing gratitude, the needs of others are not a threat to my own needs and to my own security, because it's not about me. It's about the idea that God gives as God wants to give. And so God gets to make that call. And then my job is to simply serve him with whatever it is that he gives. Do you see the difference between there? And it's amazing. It's an amazing, powerful thing, and so Paul is just simply saying that that he's going to send Timothy, his, this young pastor. He's going to send him. He's also in the later verses going to send somebody else because he wants to hear of how the Philippian Christians are doing. He he is of he is of of, of keen interest in them and wanting to make sure that they're going to be okay, even in his absence. Okay. Very good. All right. Good stuff today. Let's, uh, let's close with prayer and then we will be, uh, be on our way. Heavenly father, we thank you so much for the way that your word speaks to us in such powerful ways. It, it, it seems to that every week we kind of have that same experience that, uh, that these words that were written so long ago, just, just nail us uh, here. We, and here we are 2,000 years later. So we thank you for the gift of that word. We thank you for the way that it, it kind of cuts through all of our uh, excuses and all the different uh, uh, rationales that we have for the things that we do. And it reminds us of the thing that's most important. And that is that we are grateful in life for the wonderful gift you gave to us, the gift of grace that comes through Jesus. So I would simply pray for us, dear Lord, this week, that you'll challenge us with these words, that you'll uh, keep us mindful of how tempting it is to be resentful, but that we can, uh, that, that that's something that can be overcome with practicing gratitude every day. Empower us in that, bless us in that, and give us opportunity to see it at work. And until we meet again, dear Lord, we pray that you are with us, watch over us and keep us close to you. And we pray that in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us an email with your question or comment to Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to read it during an upcoming class. You can also go to our website at www.messiahlutheranpodcast.com where you can find links to all the previous episodes and copies of our class notes. In case you want to follow along with each episode, you can also find out where to subscribe to the podcast at Messiah, Lutheran slash subscribe for links on how you can find us on iTunes, pocket casts, stitcher tune in or any other podcast catcher of your choice. If you feel like we have given you any value during this podcast, please consider going to our podcast page in iTunes and leaving a rating or a review. Not only will that provide us with valuable feedback that we can use to improve the podcast for you, but it will help this podcast to climb the iTunes rankings and help us spread God's message to anyone willing to listen. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.